this afternoon as we come to Lord's Day 10 in our Heidelberg Catechism, discussing the providence of God, we'll be reading from Romans 8. We'll begin at verse 28, and then we'll move ahead to verses 31 to 38, uh, 39, 31 to 39. You'll be able to find that on page 1301 of your pew Bible. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So far the word of God. Now read together from Lord's Day 10 as well, page 525 of your book of praise. What do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, Fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed all things come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by his providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, And with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move. So far. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God is in control. This isn't something that's just true when everything seems like it's in control to us. It's true at all times, and we confess that in our Lord's Day today. It's even true when things seem to be spinning out of control for us. Leaf and blade, our catechism says. Harvest time, when things are going well and everything's turning green. Rain, fruitful years, health, and enriches. God is in control of all of these times. 
but he's also in control when things go poorly. In years of drought, when we can't even put the work in, the seed in the ground, because we know it'll die. In barren years, when we've put our heart and soul into our work, but it's all come to nothing. In sickness, when our bodies are failing us. In poverty, when we face distress and we're not sure that we can make ends meet. Together with our catechism, we confess that even in these times, God is in control. Even these events come to us from his fatherly hand. As the Bible says, God who made the world and everything in it gives to all life, breath, and all things. And in him we live and move and have our being. Acts 17, verse 24 to 25 and verse 28. He upholds it all by his command. While the earth remains, he says, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Genesis 8, verse 22. God is upholding it. And even the things that we would consider from an earthly perspective to be by chance, the lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 16, verse 33. God is in control over all things, whether good or bad. But knowing that he is in control and responding to the fact that he's in control are two different things, aren't they? We'll look at that today, this Lord's Supper Sunday, under the theme, Patient in Adversity and Thankful in Prosperity. Before we get into the what of being patient in adversity and thankful in prosperity, we need to remind ourselves of the why. Why we can be so certain that although things might be difficult in life, God has our best interests from an eternal perspective in mind. We can be certain of this because of what we're confessing today as we take part in the Lord's Supper. These words of Romans chapter 8, that God has given his son for us. Jesus Christ came to earth to suffer and to die so that our relationship to God could be restored again. And he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he was willing to give us his beloved son to restore to him whoever believes in his name, how much more will he not give us, whatever our situation is, everything that we need for our salvation and even work our situation towards our salvation? If we are to look at how we are to respond to the fact of God's control, this has to be at the forefront of our minds. So why does this have to be so central to us? Well, it's because tribulation will come. Everybody's life has experienced, does experience, or will experience tragedy. It doesn't mean that it's all the same, of course, for everybody. Many people will experience it more strongly than others, but it's a fact of living in this broken world. In our passage today, we read about that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? Shall drought, barren years, sickness, poverty? All of these things are events that Christians around the world have had to experience. These are things that Christians aren't exempt from. Christians will suffer in this fallen world. But in all things, God works these things together for the good of those who love him. Now, there can be the temptation to think, how? I have no idea how this is going to work out for good. And with many of you, if you were to come to me and you were to ask me how this is going to work out for good, I would be able to tell you the exact same. I have no idea how it's going to work out for good. And yet God promises that he will work it out for good. Consider what we're able to celebrate today in the Lord's Supper. The greatest evil that could ever be done, the crucifixion of the Son of God himself, turned out for the good of those whom God loved, whom he had called according to his purpose. If God was able to do so with the greatest wickedness and the greatest injustice, could he not do the same in our situations? A situation in which we might face hardship, injustice, uncertainty, yes, but which pales in comparison to the wickedness that was done in the crucifixion of the Son of God himself. So as we partake in the Lord's Supper today, we are reminded of that. Not just that Christ has bought us with his blood. Not just that believers, each and every one of them, can take comfort in knowing that they belong to Jesus Christ, body and soul, and will be with him eternally. But also that he works in us, and he works for us in the here and now, even in our adversity, and nothing can separate us from his love. You can give thanks and wait patiently because whatever may happen, none of these things can separate you from the love of Christ. And as you take this bread and wine in your hands, remember that in adversity, nothing can separate you from his love. But it's not just adversity that we should think of. Just as we look to God in times of adversity, we also need to look to him in times of prosperity. And to understand what's meant by prosperity here in the Heidelberg Catechism, we need to understand what they meant when they wrote it as well. You see, we have this tendency to look at it from a a materialistic mindset, a, a mindset of this world, this culture that we're in, this this affluent Western culture. And we have this tendency to compare ourselves to others. And on the basis of that, we may think, well, I'm doing all right, but I'm not a member of the 1%, that's for sure. Now, that may be true. And yet we are still considered prosperous. On the one hand, even in adversity, Canadians who are above the poverty line are among the wealthiest people in the world. 
We're in an age in which we experience the greatest wealth and prosperity that this country has ever known, even though, ironically, there's an incredible amount of discontentment with our world today, with our positions in this world today. But there's even more to prosperity than just cash in the bank compared to the rest of the world. What does the Word of God say? In in Deuteronomy 28, verse 11 and following, it talks about increase, experiencing increase as a sign of prosperity. Moses says to God's people, The Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. So you see, prosperity here, as we see it, is is not really just the state of being wealthy. And this is something that our catechism wants to point us to as well. It's being in a position in which we're being blessed by God, in which we are increasing instead of decreasing, in which we experience the greenery of leaves and blades of grass, blades that make the valley green in springtime in which we experience rain, fruitful years, food and drink, health. Prosperity doesn't just mean that we are wealthy, but it's a state in which God gives us more than we need, which is the vast majority of us sitting here today. That's why the Catechism in in comparing adversity with prosperity uses that language, rain, fruitful years, food and drink, health, and yet, yes, also riches. But notice that riches is only one, and it's the last one. The authors of the Catechism were simple young preachers in their late 20s, supported in their work by much richer men than themselves, and yet they didn't consider that wealth that they saw all around them as the first sign of prosperity. Rather, God's faithfulness in season and out of season, God granting the increase, that was the sign of prosperity. That is given from God as a gift to us. And so, in response to that, we can be thankful. In prosperity, too, God is working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For us today, that's something to reflect on as well. When God provides increase to us and he blesses us, it's a gift from his hand. And this this bread and wine that we're going to take part in is a reminder of that fact as well. That everything we receive is a gift from his hand. Yes, God sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We know that in Matthew 5 verse 45. But God's provision for them is just a witness of his eternal power and divine nature. Romans 1, but for you who believe in Christ, for you who belong, it's a gift from his fatherly hand. This bread and wine bear witness to that fact. As we confessed last week, he is for the sake of Christ, his son, my God, and my father. I guess that was a few weeks ago. And the bread and wine 
that you'll be holding in your hand bear witness to the truth of his claim over you who believe. They bear witness to the truth of Christ's sacrifice. They bear witness to the fatherhood of God who has become your father for Christ's sake. And they bear witness to his ongoing care in adversity and in prosperity. They bear witness that nothing can separate those who are called from his love. And so, beloved, let's give thanks as we take part in the Lord's Supper this afternoon, being reminded that for the sake of Christ, our powerful God has become our faithful Father, knowing his control over all things and giving thanks whenever we go through a day in which we either receive, in which we receive more than we need and being patient in days in which he is leading us through a time of adversity, and being assured that by the touching of his bread and the taste of the wine on our lips, so certainly will God, who has become our Father through Christ, take care of us because of Christ. Amen.